You're listening to The Report Card. The Report Card podcast is a commentary show about contemporary American politics and international affairs with co-hosts, myself, Grant Stern, and Scott Dworkin, where we create what we're seeing in the news each week and take your questions, too. You're listening to The Report Card, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Oh, you mean like I'm Scott Dworkin? And you're listening to The Report Card. So, guys, what an eventful <laughs> week this has been. I mean, are you mind blown yet? Raise your hand. Are you mind blown? I want to see a reaction if you're mind blown from the events of the last seven days. Okay, you guys can't see me, but if you could see me, my hand is raised. What about you, Scott? Yeah, and my hand is raised very high. I think both hands are raised at this point because uh, what a crazy, what a crazy week. I mean, it's just it's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I'm very thankful for President Biden. I'm very thankful for Jen Psaki's service. I'm very thankful for a lot of things, um, but also this, this. I mean, like, it's just insanity, insanity. Yeah, I I don't think we've seen anything like this. I mean, since the last time, I guess. But what do you think is there. something that stands out? This week, uh, Roe versus Wade. I mean, that's all that right. stands well, out. That's well, all anybody has talked that, about. Uh, for stands two, out for three days now. What else? I mean, Karine Jean Pierre, obviously, uh, her her ascent to the the press secretary position is, I, I think it's a big deal. I think that she's an amazing person. Uh, we did a great interview with her uh, a couple of years ago, right? It's been that long, hasn't it? Yeah, it was a few years ago. It was when she re- uh, released her book. Because um, remember, she was on MSNBC before and moved on, and was a really great spokesperson for them. And uh, remember, she stood in. Do you remember that time that Kareen stood in between the protester on stage and and Kamala Harris? Like the this guy just kind of rushed the stage and stood in between the two of them, and it was kind of crazy. But Kareen just came on the stage and stood in between them. She had no idea if he was going to try to attack her or what was happening. Yeah, yeah, that's a great incident. Uh, she p- pretty much stood in between Kamala Harris, right, and the crazy person? That's Wasn't right. Kamala? Yeah. Something else, man. Uh, that was that was a wild incident. And speaking of that, um, something else in the news this week is that our first Will Smith, uh, our first Will Smith copycat arrived. And... Went after Dave Chappelle and hurt himself pretty badly, right? Yeah. No. No. He, so the uh, police say that there was uh, no injuries sustained. It just it looked d- disturbing. The picture that they took with his arm backwards, it looked like he had gotten beaten up pretty badly. Um, but uh, now it, it seems that I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but I did see Chris Rock went on stage and said, "Was that Will Smith?" And then there was also Jamie Foxx involved in some. I think he he came involved. He was there and the too. Guy, yeah, and the guy had a knife. Like it was a knife that was oh shaped gosh. like a like a gun, something along those lines. Um, so, so strange. It, right, right. And I'm not sure exactly what he was hoping for. Um, Dave Chappelle made, a, of course, a disgusting joke about um, something else there right after, but uh, that's Dave Chappelle, so. You know, he, uh, I mean, one that's of the what they most came brilliant for. comics that's, you know, existed. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of 
one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, right, so, I mean, right, there, right, there's right. a no, lot going on. And I've seen on. him uh, perform his comedy before. Um, oh, yeah. I, I actually made, met Dave Chappelle after a, a comedy club show in Miami like 20 years ago. And he was pretty chill, you know, pretty down to earth. Uh, was he buff? I mean, I was he buff then? No, nah, no, nah, he wasn't especially buff. I mean, you couldn't really tell. But uh, I offered to buy him a drink after the show. And he, you know, he basically was like, nah, man, you know, it's cool. I appreciate it. Because uh, imagine, like, probably everybody wanted to buy Dave Chappelle a drink after the show. I mean, imagine being Dave Chappelle. Uh, when he was touring early in, in his career, he was so funny. And, uh, you know, I guess he just kind of like, I don't know, maybe he just preferred 420 even back then. Uh, it didn't right, occur to me right. to even offer that. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Now, it's uh, understood. I'm not sure. I I know he still smokes cigarettes, but, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, he lives a kind of different existence these days, like in rural America, right? Oh, Ohio. Yeah, he's in Ohio. Uh and it's just uh, he, he kind of laid back. He he loves his uh, city. I don't remember what it's called, but he uh, he loves Ohio. And as a fellow Ohioan, uh, I can tell you that I'm not sure exactly why he moved there. Um, but rural Ohio is, you know, I think he wanted to isolate himself and have a small town, you know, attitude. And he's done some good things for them. Um, but he's still, you know, he keeps on uh, speaking out as an advocate. And I think there was a mixed story about his stance on housing um blocking affordable housing but they skewed in a way where it looked like he didn't want affordable housing but it wasn't it was the it was the corporate uh, developer that actually planted the story that was a hit piece against him and it was not accurate um oh so, man. yeah you know well anyways I mean, so you know he he actually is a dc native and went to the the famous yeah. art school there in dc so. Right, right. No, he he's extremely popular in D.C. Extremely popular in D.C. and uh, um, you know for for good reason. But he, uh, yeah, there were a ton of people. I think it was at the Hollywood Bowl, and uh, yeah, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle and Buster Rhymes, and um, there were a ton of people there because um, obviously you know it's right. Around, and I think it was a musical show as well. So it's a it's a Netflix uh, sponsored event that they were recording. So. You know, I think I think it's uh, going to be on tape too, so maybe it'll be part of that special. I'm sure that they're going to promote the crap out of it because um, that's what they do. That is what they do. Um, <laughs> so another thing that I think is is interesting, and it's in the news today, is that uh, Shell reported a record 9.1 billion dollar profit. Uh, Shell right. oil, right? And you know. Democrats have been saying this for a while, but I think it's starting to actually catch on that these oil companies are really taking advantage of things to take advantage of us. Right, right. And uh, I mean, it's it's kind of I mean, it's the biggest what since 2008 and uh, their, their biggest uh, quarterly profit since 2008, um, you know, and, and BP is announcing plans for uh, buybacks to boost their shares after their their net profit jumped to its high, highest level in more than a decade as well. Um, so I, I just don't understand, with gas prices so expensive, aren't they making money off of the fact that it's so expensive? And so, like, them making money, it's like, 
the people who needed to lower the gas prices were them. And maybe they wouldn't have had such a windfall of cash, but why would they do that? You know what I mean? Like they had no reason to do that. They weren't the ones that really were criticized. It was President Biden and it needed to be focused on the oil companies. Obviously, because they're the ones who can they, they can actually control the prices and more so than President Biden could at the time, in my opinion. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though, like people don't realize what big players in political messaging these companies are, but they just never, ever do it directly, ever, ever, ever. Um, they use the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, the Chamber of Commerce is, you know, the, the, that's one of the big mouthpieces. Um, here in Florida, which is the third largest state in America, I mean, we have 20 million people here, nearly 21 million people. Uh, in Florida, we have the Associated Industries of Florida, which is this huge business lobbying group. And, you know, it uh, – what can I say? It's um, – that that's just – I mean, they're much more, like, in command of these sort of things. And this is a particular narrative. You know, because a lot of these businesses are lined up against President Biden uh, because of, you know, what they want, uh, you know, tax wise, partisan reasons. Um, a lot of them are lined up against Biden. So to them, this is like making money on good politics. I mean, this is politics that pays. And Shell is definitely showing it. They're the latest. Um, I spoke with Rep. Chakowsky, uh, uh, Jan Chakowsky from uh, Chicago. And she was telling me about this, how like six companies uh, appeared virtually before her committee. And those six companies between them had $72 billion in profits. That's ridiculous. That's a lot of gas. That's a lot <laughs> I, of gas. I'm just, it pisses me off. You know, I, I, corporate greed is so disgusting in this country. And, you know, people, they, they complain about, um, I, I'd say, CEOs specifically and executives, they complain about, oh, well, I don't, I don't know if I can pay that much for um, for people uh, that are working for $15 an hour. Uh, you know, I can't, we can't afford that, but we can afford millions and millions of dollars for different CEOs, <laughs> you know? Okay, hold on. Everybody who's not watching this on Zoom like I am, Scott's cat. Is walking all over his laptop. Not my cat. Right now. I don't have a cat, but uh, not my. <laughs> the cat you're renting. Okay, that's the that, rental that cat. Definitely, uh, this cat just decided to knock over. <laughs> this is that's actually funny. We may need to post that video clip because it just knocked over uh, an entire amount of paperwork. Congratulations, kitty. Uh, this anyways, is like almost that, as good as the cat lawyer video. <laughs> almost, almost. Was, and nobody on pretty good. can see it. What a shame. What a shame. So let's go back to the show. I want to start taking some calls early. Uh, guys, I, we want your questions. We want your comments. And tell us what you want us to grade in the news. Just hit the call in button. It looks like a little telephone in the bottom right corner. Uh, Amanda, thanks for calling in. And please, more folks, you can call in right now. Keep calling in. We're taking more callers. We want to take more questions. Go ahead, Amanda. Unmute yourself and give us your comment this week. Hey, Grant. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing? Good to hear oh, from you. Oh, just, just peachy. You too. You too. Um, so I'm in the lovely state of Missouri. 
Missouri decided, you know what, it's a race to the bottom, like I've said before, not beating Texas and Florida yet, but then they said, oh, watch my abortion rights. They are looking at, and now this is interesting, it's not in the, they don't want to write it into the criminal code. They're making it a civil action so that anyone who does anything, whether it's in the state of Missouri or another state, if you so much as help someone to get an abortion out of state at any point, uh, I think it's after a, a heartbeat is detectable, you can, uh, I think it's up to $10,000 that you can be fined for this. So I, uh, I am open to suggestions for getting rid of my uterus. Should we grade the state of Missouri? Ah, yes. That is, that is a great one. Uh, Scott, what grade do you give to the state of Missouri for copying Texas uh, and trying to ban abortion this week? I will say that, uh, that, that's, uh, uh, I mean, I, it's a, it's a failure. I mean, I, I know that I would do something kitschy or something that was sassy, but, uh, I just say that's a disgusting F minus and, um, none of them should, should serve a role in public office ever again. I find it disgusting. Well, I'm giving them an M for me too, and not the kind of me too story that we'd like to hear. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot of this because a lot of states that don't have bans are going to rush in to try and copy somebody else's ban um, pretty soon. There's this group called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. ALEC is a tool of the big corporations uh, that fund the Republican Party, the Chamber of Commerce types. But it's used for everything Republican. And when it comes to making what they call model state laws, that is what ALEC does. ALEC is all about the model state laws. And what there is already is kind of scary when you think about it. Um, I think there's what, like 20 or 22 states that have so-called trigger laws? You yeah, there's quite that, a few. Yeah, I did. There's, there's quite a few of that uh, where Roe v. Wade is basically repealed if, you know, if, uh, if it's uh, taken at down from the Supreme Court, right? And there's other things that happen in the states, like uh, something along the lines of loss of women's health centers. Um, a lot of women's rights get stripped with those trigger laws. Right. The The laws basically say if Roe v. Wade is overturned, then this new law takes effect. We've already passed it. And this new law uh, sends women's health back into the 1950s. Um. It's pretty atrocious. And one of the most atrocious things that that keeps being dredged up uh, by the before, and that's just not the case. Right. Right? Right. That's just not the case. Um, America's abortion uh, access has always kind of been there. Um, certainly... Uh, it hasn't been banned in the way that Republicans want to make people think it's banned. And so we covered this on Occupy Democrats. Um, we covered it on Occupy Democrats. And boy, um, when we say that they're trying to bring us back to the 1950s, uh, we're wrong. <laughs> we're just do wrong. Think, do you think they'll try and repeal a woman's right to vote? Like somebody's going to start floating I mean, it, that from the Republican it Party, right? It wouldn't surprise me. 
It wouldn't surprise me, but let me let me read Maybe you this a, story. Just a Democrat. Maybe they'll say women can't be registered a Democrat and have a right to vote. You know what I mean? Like something ridiculous like that. That's where, where we're going. It's, it's bullshit, but it, it will happen. I'm sure some jerk from the Republican Party is going to say that if they so, haven't already. Uh, so, so let me read to you this this precedent, this uh, story here, uh, which I signed for Occupy Democrats, and it is a wild one. Go for I'm it, brother. Talking like, just you know, something oh, I yeah, never expected. A, yeah, this is a great one. Go ahead. Okay, so the title of this story, everybody, is "Devilish Precedent." Justice Alito cites Salem witch trial judge in opinion to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, this is a judge who has cited as giving the legal basis for the Salem witch trials, right? Uh, Ty Ross, who's news journalist for Occupy Democrats, wrote the story. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, the enabler of the two worst SCOTUS evils, uh, dug up deep in his decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, uh, 17th century deep. In Alito's 60-page draft opinion that would end the precedent set by Roe versus Wade to give women reproductive freedom, he cited jurist and marital rape supporter Sir Matthew Hale, who under his jurisdiction also saw two women executed for witchcraft. In the draft opinion, Alito highlights the century-long dead, centuries-long dead jurist position on both rape and witchcraft in defense of his SCOTUS reasoning. I wish we were making this up. Here's an example of Sir Matthew Hale's own outdated and reactionary school of thought in regard to marital rape. For the husband cannot be guilty of a rape committed by himself upon his lawful wife, for by their mutual matrimonial consent and the contract, the wife hath given up herself in this kind unto her husband, which she cannot retract. Now, keep in mind that Republicans voted for a guy accused of marital rape by his first wife. And he's the leader of their party. The absurdity of this has not been lost on the public. Many are taking to social media to call out Alito's archaic ruling and his references. Okay. Now. Uh, the same guy got, he got, uh, he had, had two women executed for witchcraft. I witchcraft. Guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's an, uh, it's I worth mean, noting. It's worth noting that Alito starts the introduction of his decision that Roe and Casey must be overruled. By engaging in an unprecedented form of judicial activism, he goes on to write, procuring an abortion is not a fundamental constitutional right because such a right has no basis in the Constitution's text or in our nation's history. Uh, neither does spousal rape or hanging a woman suspected of witchcraft. Yet here we are, writes Ty. Justice Alito has also long been considered a clueless reactionary. His appointment to the nation's highest judicial body was fraught with controversy, mainly due to Alito's history of anti-equality judgments, opinions, and beliefs that would seek to move this country backward. So, I mean, this is this is just wild. I mean, this guy's precedents were cited at Salem to support burning women at stake. I mean, they're actually – I think there were 19 women in Salem that were killed. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this is, you know, I think that we've underestimated the problem here. The Handmaid's Tale, um, that's, that's not even how bad these guys want to make it. Given the, yeah, that'd be a amateur template of it. It seems, I mean, like I, I don't, 
I don't know yeah. exactly. The woman must walk behind the man. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know who who's voting for these jerks. Like I I don't I don't know. They they can't represent anybody. Like I don't know who's out there being like, yeah, I believe it. Like who the hell thinks it's right uh, for for them con- like any Republican legislators to ke- keep control of our sisters, our daughters, our moms, our grandmas. Um, you know, these are these are people who um, mean the world to us. And, and it, keep your disgusting, filthy Republican hands and keep your minds out of their business. Like, I, I don't want any involvement of Republicans and women in general. Like, it's disgusting. They have no uh, sense of uh, science or uh, education about women's rights and health. Uh, they have no support of it. They're not pro-life. I don't know why we don't call them the pro-death party because after the baby's born, they don't give a shit about it at all, not one bit. And you so know, I, 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 I was just reading that uh, famous George Carlin quote, and I just happened to have it. Right. Boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own. Pro-life conservatives are obsessed with the fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no head start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time, Scott. Speaking of Ohio, I I, uh, had a friend whose grandma had set up this place let's call it a place uh where people can go to get educated about pregnancies where people think that they're going to be able to get an abortion right okay there's no no abortions handed out there nothing it's uh run by a church and so what they do when they go there is they try and house the woman they try and make sure they have the pregnancy they educate them about how you're going to die if you get an abortion how you're going to hell if you get an abortion and they try to, you know, bring them into the church. So it, it that's the whole point of it. And there's beds there, and then they try and take the baby away and give it up for adoption. And so it's just it's the most crazy thing because there's no abortion there, but they try to act like there are abortions performed there, but there's nothing there. It it looks like a medical facility. It's not. Um, so I mean, the, these places exist across the country, and it's ridiculous. But um, I just don't understand. Like a lot of the people who are, are talking about, oh, I'm, I'm pro-life, they do not understand the science behind it. Like they're making it so that if a baby with no head has to stay in a woman's body, like they can't remove it because they're calling it an abortion. Like it, there's things that just don't make any sense whatsoever. If they're raped by their dad, they think it's okay for them to have the baby instead of having an abortion. Like it makes no sense whatsoever, um, and it's just – I, I mean, it's insanity. I think there was one priest out there that, that sought, uh, referenced the Bible um, and said that it was something that was instituted by men um, to hurt women and to stop the pregnancy. So, so it, there's just such a – it's just this bullshit. Like it, it, I don't know exactly what they're trying to aim for, but there needs to be cohesive messaging. It needs to be basic and succinct. And we need to override this whole like pro-life narrative because that is not existent. There is no pro-life movement in the Republican Party. It does not exist. It is just a slogan like everything else, and it's a code for we're going to control women's bodies. That's it. There's nothing else there because every Republican who cheats on their wife, what do they do? 
what do they do? They bring them to another state and they try to get them. To, like they don't want them to have the baby. And so, so it comes out and it's like this Republican, you know, tried to get his mistress to get an abortion. Right. Like there's this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Um, it's just ridiculous. And, and it just drives me nuts, especially with working in my last name, uh, a name that's, uh, you know, reflects in feminism. Um, as a dude, it's just like, I mean, these again, other guys need to keep Republican dudes need to keep their uh, hands and minds and laws off our uh, sisters, daughters, moms, bodies. Like, it's none of their freaking business. Um, so I want to invite everybody to call in. Uh, this is your chance. Call in. There's a little button in the right-hand corner. Just hit it. It looks like a phone. You know, April is joining us from Texas, uh, the land of the bounties, uh, the place that banned abortion first. Uh, yes, see, my granddaughters and my daughter-in-law moved out of Texas to Colorado, and I was kind of grateful because of what Abbott's been doing to our state, but now they're back, and I'm worried sick. I've got a 10-year-old granddaughter, 9-year-old granddaughter, a daughter-in-law who just had a baby. I mean, if she gets pregnant again and has a miscarriage, is there going to be a bounty on her head? I mean, and these five guys or five people sitting on the Supreme Court that think they can decide what women do with their bodies is just enraging to me. I do not feel like we're in a democracy anymore. I feel like we're in an authoritarian state. It's gruesome. It's gruesome. I mean, if there's one thing that all of us need to talk about, I think, it's big government Republicans. Like big government Republicans are the problem nowadays. Uh, they used to rail against big government. Um, but the truth is they're the ones behind the big government today. All they the are. They want to control everything we do. Everything. They want to control what we're reading, who we talk to, who we're voting for. They want to control who votes. Um, it's insane. We can't wear a mask without going anywhere, without getting harassed by them. But they say that's because of their body, their choice. Come on now. <laughs> so what subjects have we been talking about that I have missed out on today? Uh, banning abortion in America because it's even worse than The Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to put the link into the room so everybody can read it because it's just so crazy that... You know, we have a judge in 2022 citing a guy who was, you know, presided over witch burnings. Uh, but here we are. Here we are. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, but here we are. Um, so I want to ask April, and then we're going to turn back to Scott here. And by the way, everybody, it's your chance. Call in if you want to ask a question. Uh have you heard more activists perking their ears up this week? It, does it seem like people are finally waking up to the fact that there's an election coming up and maybe they could do something about something if they get off their hands and uh, take a little bit of personal responsibility and go out there and knock on some doors with those hands? Have you heard anything this week? Unfortunately, nope. I have not. It seems like everybody is tuning out, and I don't know how we're going to fix that. 
I think that we need to get more stubborn like the Republicans and the Democrats need to get five talking points and every single one of them need to scream it from the rooftops over and over and over again because nobody is listening. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, Hit the react button. If you saw President Biden slam the ultra MAGA agenda that Florida Senator Rick Scott put out uh, about a month and a half ago. The, you know, he's the chair of the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee. That is the official campaign arm of the Republican uh, Senate caucus. And he put out a plan to start taxing people who have, you know, basically like nothing. Like he actually has a plan to raise taxes on the very poorest of the poor Americans, people who make $5,000 a year will have a tax increase under the Rick Scott plan, um, but also raising taxes on a lot of middle class people. And this was the first time I've seen the president go on the offensive against the Republicans in a while. Yeah, finally. But those low income and middle class, they're so busy that they don't have time to catch up on news. And I hate to say this, but the Sunday shows are all tailored to propaganda to the Republicans. So if they only watch politics on Sundays, they don't know what's going on. If they only log into Facebook, they don't know what's going on. So how how are the Democrats going to fix that? How are they going to start picking up where the Republicans are? They are good at repeat. They are good at propaganda. They are good about sticking to the script. I just don't know if we're going to be able to fix anything without this fighting fire with fire. So, Scott, I mean, do you agree with April that that we need Democrats to stick to a met like pick a message, a few talking points and just hammer the crap out of them until November? No, no. Yes, of course. Of course. That, that was the, the news we got that I did last week. Um, the basis. Of oh, let's it. talk and, about and that. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, uh, so that was something that obviously uh, I did with the uh, Newsweek. If you haven't seen it, then uh, we'll we'll send a link out. But uh, the title of it is "There's No Choice in the Midterms." The Democrats are the only side defending democracy, um, and in it, I talk about how pundits have, uh, you know, they say that there's a dire situation the Democrats face and races across the country. You know, some of them say that Democrats are in disarray when obviously the party that's in disarray is the Republican Party. Um, but what people don't may, maybe forget is that we have a lot to run on. Yeah. The problem is who's talking about it? Uh, who is talking about what we have to run on, buddy? You, you, you dropped there. You said we have a lot to run on. Oh, yeah. So we have a lot to run on. And um the January 6th attack is not something that we should keep on talking about at a constant, but it's going to be in a month. There's going to be public hearings in Congress, and so those are going to be um, important to to everything. But what we need to focus on is the accomplishments and also what's going to happen next. So uh, especially with the infrastructure bill, which it's already delivering, and we have to put it out there so that people are our elected officials and people running for Congress are in front of those places saying here are here's a place where it's getting developed now currently because of the infrastructure bill that Republicans voted against um, and, then, and that I supported. And there are jobs here. There's money being poured in the area and it's local and it's here. And I think that's one of the biggest 
examples. Also, Democrats need to tout the fact that they put money into Americans' pockets and that Republicans were against it. Um, and so that that's another key thing. We, we can talk about Judge Jackson um, and how Republicans were against that. I think that's important because the, the stress of diversity, especially with the most diverse cabinet in American history, um, and, and also the fact that Democrats were the ones who united the Western world uh, against Russia and supporting Ukraine. And Republicans did, did not do a damn thing. Like they were not helpful in this. Yeah, they voted for some things that for some funding. Um, but, you know, where were they when Trump was supposed to be impeached? You know what I mean? And that helped lead to this. They're, they're too busy fighting Mickey Mouse and trying to ban critical race theory, which is not taught in, you know, elementary school and creating anti-gay legislation so they can wave around propaganda. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about all that, but we need to talk about the successes of the Democrats and the, the, also what's next. Um, so it can't just be scare tactics. Uh, it needs to be the substantive policy and things that we've passed and things that are hindered now that we can accomplish if there's a bigger Senate and we hold the House. So I think if we keep that all in line, um, Democrats have a really big chance of um, holding the House and expanding the Senate by at least two seats. So we've got Amanda Finley back. She's calling in and she's been waiting patiently. What have you got to say, Amanda? Talk to us. Oh, I think, thank you. I think... There is one thing that we have overlooked big time, and April hinted at this. People are overwhelmed. They are overwhelmed. You feel like a tiny drop in a massive sea of humanity. Who's going to listen to you? Who is ever going to listen to you? How do you get their attention? Do you resist bot, or is that just tossed? And I think if we can empower people to be heard... Uh, if we tell them, hey, here's a really easy way. You are working three jobs. Here's something you can do in 30 seconds. And that way is through social media. I mean, obviously, how, Scott, how did we meet? Do you remember? Right. Via yeah. social, I would assume. Yeah. All it took was some tweets and directed tweets with a targeted message. And we don't, one of the best ways I've found to be effective with this, I hop in DMs and I ask, what do you know about blah, blah, blah? So instead of being confrontational, I can ask them, hey, what exactly do you know? You'd be surprised at the answers I've got. And they start listening and they're like, wait, you did what? Whoa, what's happening to you? Yeah, hold my corn. Here's what's happening. One by one by one, <laughs> everywhere, every level from the bottom to the top. It's working. Oh, my God. I never thought I thought systemic change was absolutely impossible. It's quite possible. It's definitely quite possible. One person can make a very, very big difference. But the place that every one person needs to make the biggest difference is in getting out there and punching the ballot box. I mean, you really have to go out there and vote. But I'd say that the biggest problem today is that there's not enough Democrats going out there and registering voters. Okay? I can't stress it enough. That's what Democrats are not doing enough of. They need to be doing it. They need to be doing it like Trump is on the ballot. And I'll tell you why he is. Besides the fact that Trump is the guy who still calls the shots for these Republicans, even if he only commands 31% of the vote like J.P. Mondel got uh, up in Ohio, <laughs> you know, 
uh, hypocrisy. Good old JP Mandel. Yeah, JD JD <laughs> Mandel. Yeah, that guy. JD Mandel. He doesn't right? exist. Yeah, he doesn't exist. But yeah. You know. uh, so 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 it's like not as not only is Trump on the ballot in that literal sense, right? But Trump is on the ballot in the most direct sense there can be. Okay, and this is the sad truth of it that he could be the next speaker of the house if Democrats do not get their shit together and register the everlasting hell out of every voter in sight and get them to march to the polls and vote for a Democrat because the rules of the house say that the house chooses its speaker. They don't say that the house chooses the representative they like the most. Like that is, that's not how it works. They could pick him. Absolutely. They could choose Trump as the next speaker of the house. And if you don't think that's possible, if you think that's too crazy to happen, well, shit, man, where you been too crazy to happen. Seems like it's happening every other Tuesday these days. So, I mean, the magnitude of what's happening here is really, really high, really high. And by right. the way, if, don't if think that they won't do a- it either. You're you're right because they they will do it. I mean they they deny it now, but look at who controls the Republican Party. Look at who controls the House. Madison Cawthorn's still in Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, they're all in Congress still because Kevin McCarthy is a spineless jellyfish and he has he's a coward owned by Trump. And they said that earlier. Yeah. Um, so by the way, if you want to call in, if you want to ask a question, ask us to grade something. Get onto the podcast. This is your big chance to do it. We're going to be on for another uh, nine minutes here, and there's 18 of you. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments, your concerns. Um, This is your chance. Just mash that call in button. And thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the pod so that you can come back every week. Uh, We're moving the times around a little bit, but I think we've generally settled on the evening as our time for the show. Um, I really enjoyed doing 8 to 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, and we want your feedback on that too. Of course, you could reply to us on Twitter or in the group chat for this episode and let us know what you think. And we've got another caller coming in, Joaquin. Thank you for joining us tonight on the report card. If you have a comment, a question, or do you want us to grade something that's happening in the news today? Thanks for joining us, Joaquin. Go ahead, unmute yourself. We're ready yeah, for you. Ah, there you thank go. Thank you, Grant. Hello. Where are um, you, yeah, good to be here. I was I was invited by Amanda. Um, I, I'm in Southeast LA, um, and I I've been um, working with Amanda um, on some COVID work a uh, year and a half since I met her, um, and uh, she invited me onto this uh, podcast. Uh, first time on this app at all um and uh yeah thanks for the great conversation uh i'm biden's campaign recently as well and been doing three now covid work um comment is is geared towards the importance of really working towards uh containing this this virus i think you know unfortunately um uh you know there's no there's no goal or vision when it comes to this virus 
Um, and I think, unfortunately, um, you know, and, and I work for Biden, you know, and so I work for Biden to have a, a good COVID response here as well. And so, but I did hear that you're asking about the Biden administration's uh, COVID response. Yeah. Yeah. And I think an opportunity um, to really step it up here on, on the response um, and really uh, do a hard distinction, right, between, you know, the Trump administration. Joaquin, I appreciate it. And just all your work with COVID. And we obviously, Grant was one of the biggest uh, uh, people in the world, actually, uh, pushing masks. For masks. Ran, yeah, we pushed yeah, masks. Yeah, wearing one really of the biggest hard. campaigns. And then we, uh, for over a year, on Saturdays and Sundays, trended uh, words that were non-divisive, non-political, um, that presented the pro-mask, but th- then the vaccine, pushing to get people to get the vaccine and talk about that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very big supporters of what uh, you, the work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, Amanda and I have spoken about it, and uh, long COVID is actually a very big problem. Um, I, I haven't heard the latest on what's happening with folks uh, who get COVID from the new variants, right? But it's just, it's going around like wildfire. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that, you know, or maybe like last month or so that we're going to just have like a rising tide of COVID infections. And it really concerns me that the travel ban was struck down. I mean, sorry, travel ban, travel mask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they banned mask or whatever. I mean, the travel mask mandate. Oh, there's too goodness. many things. There's too many bans. There's too many. Yeah, we, we in regards bans to off like of our there's too many mask bans. That's yes. what I'm going to say. Bans off of our mask bans. There and you go. Uh, I mean, that's really concerning because you know it's just an occupational hazard for the people that work in transportation. It just is. You know, I, I just don't see how that goes away. Um, the White House Correspondence Dinner, uh, the White House Correspondence Association no. Dinner, I mean, that they were even joking about it being the world's biggest super spreader event. And it's happened. I mean, I'm glad that President Biden hasn't gotten it yet. But uh, I, I think our friend Jonathan Carl, Jonathan Carl has it. Jonathan Carl got, got it right. Correspondent for ABC News. That, that sucks. He's a great guy. Um and more friends of mine have it now than ever. Like, and so they, and none, none of them are feeling too great, but none of them are hospitalized. All of them are vaccinated. So that's very lucky in regards to that. Um, well, that luck, everybody, you know, had to be pushed a little bit, I'm sure. But uh, well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a hard time. And it really, you know, they, they pushed through it and it was a great event and it had some great, you know, lines and especially from president biden and and also trevor noah um it was great to see a president there but yeah yeah you have to wonder the indoor event if that was uh the brightest you know thing for him to attend but obviously they kept biden in a safe space and he it, it tested negative i think yesterday um if not the day before so he's he's fine and um so that's 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 the great news there and it doesn't seem like, you know, we can't tell whether or not people contracted there or not, because a lot of these people are out and about um, in front of people and, you know, interviewing people that are involved with the COVID crisis and, and, you know, dealing with that. So it's hard to tell where they actually contracted it, um, if it were at the dinner or not. Um, but it, it was weird to see them, uh, Trevor Noah, joke about it. Uh, but I wasn't sure if it was a joke or not, because he was talking about it in a way where it's like, um, no, seriously, like we went from, we went from, you know, talking about it and now we're indoors, like we're not supposed to do. And it's so bad that Fauci didn't even show up. 
Like, you know, he pulled out. Like, what are we doing here? And it seemed like he was doing you know, that kind of, you know, that serious thing, but not serious, you know? Look, I think what nobody has said, and again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to give you scientific advice. I'm just speculating. Um, but a slightly informed speculator, I like to think of myself as. And, and I would just say that nobody has come out and said it, but I guess they're just, this is their way of saying COVID has become endemic, right? This is like the new common cold. But the, the thing is, is that so many people have, you know, uh, immunity, whether it's from getting a vaccine or having had it. At this point, it's not the same threat it used to be as a novel virus. And so I think that they're trying to say, look, you know, things are changing. They're changing for the better because by just by getting everybody vaccinated, we've taken away some of the threat, but people still need to get their shots. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pondering whether when and whether I should get the, the fourth booster. I'm thinking like maybe now I should get it because it just seems to be going around so fast. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I haven't really talked about it a lot, but uh, you know, like my significant other uh, caught COVID at the Veterans Administration Hospital working as an essential worker, brought it home. Uh, I had it in July of 2020 and then got vac vaccinated as soon as I could and got boosted, you know, got my second shot, got boosted. Um, you know, I, I think that, that it's just America is kind of like getting, a lot of people are getting the immunity and the people that haven't gotten the immunity, now they're getting COVID. And... I mean, it seems so far, cross our fingers, like the mortality rate is way, way down. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the largest vaccine rollout in American history succeeding, would we be here? Nah, no, nah, we wouldn't be here. No, nah, I don't think so. What do you think, Scott? Uh, I'm, you know, I got my fourth shot and uh, immunocompromised. And I, I would say that it's just, you know, we we have to think about everybody. I recommend everybody get their fourth shot. If not, if if you haven't gotten your booster, then definitely get your booster. Um, but it's it's just, it's a travesty. And, you know, this this idiot who was in the White House killed so many people with his disinformation and um, his political boundaries. I mean, it, it, it was just ridiculous to see people to talk about masks you know and him to shut down the fact that he was going to send it to tons of americans via the post office and he he ended that he he stopped that from happening because he wanted to use masks to divide people that ended up killing people you know that ended up getting more people sick um so i i i just hope that eventually people look at this the, the way it's supposed to be where, where it was um you know trump attacked america using COVID. And it killed people and it hurt people and Republicans went along for the ride. Um, so I, I think that we're headed for better days because uh, people are starting to get together a little bit more now. Um, and I think unvaccinated and vaccinated are getting together and it's, it's a lot um, better, but they still need to do it safely. You still need to do it safely because it still exists. It still can hurt you uh, vaccinated or not. 
Um, you know, and you have to mitigate your circumstances. Obviously, people, you know, have kids. Uh, but but think about that. Like, if you're not vaccinated um, or if you don't have your booster at this point, you you need to get it because you have to think about the people who are not vaccinated, the babies that aren't vaccinated, people that you'll be around, seniors. You don't want to bring that in their home. At the same time, you don't want to get it. and You, you, you definitely don't want to be hospitalized with it. Um, and so just keep that in mind, you know, take care of your neighbor, do what you can to help people and, and try and get other people to get their booster as well. I know that most of our friends, uh, you know, push for boosters and have gotten their booster, at least the first one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, the most American thing that you can do is get your booster. So I, I would say, you know, be a patriot, go get your booster. Well, Scott, I think that we have had a very robust discussion. It's been a great crowd. I want to thank Joaquin and Amanda and April and everybody who's joined us tonight. And we're going to be and Sam Jones, Sam Jones. Or, I'd like to thank Sam Jones for helping out. And and I also would like to thank Grant Stern, Grant Stern, who's the best producer in the game, period. Anyways, and oh, co-host. I try, I try. So, you uh, rocked you it know, out tonight. Schedule, you did great. We're going to schedule another podcast for next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, right? Yeah, it sounds, sounds great. Good. Let's so do it. So please take a second uh, after the show to like and subscribe. I followed everybody who came in. Love it if you follow me back. Welcome to Colin. Welcome to our newest podcast. This is The Report Card. <laughs>